my friend says caffeine's a drug. I said, oh, tell your friend, fuck you. I want to be a buddy with Just a little breakfast. Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Breakfast Punks podcast. Uh, this is a podcast about coffee, donuts, DIY punk and pretty much anything else we want. Brought to you by Scam City Roasters and Deadbeat Donuts. From Hastings, I'm Dave. And I'm Siobhan. And welcome to episode three. Hello, hello. On this uh, episode, we're going to be talking about our top 10 80s pop songs. And we're also going to be talking about a film called Lust in the Dust. As always, we've got some nice treats here, food and coffee. Um, Food-wise, we got some of these vegan bacon rashers, or bacon-style rashers, from a company called Green Kitchen. They're in Brighton. They run a cafe in Brighton, which serves loads of vegan stuff, and they're reopening for takeaway this weekend, so if you're in Brighton, get down there. Mm-hmm. We bought their rashers from a little... A shop in Hastings called Trinity Whole Foods, which sells loads of like vegan, vegetarian kind of ingredients and things, all organic. It's a cooperative. Um, it's a really cool place. Yeah, it's just really nice. So yeah, we popped down there and got some of these little bacon rashes and had ourselves a bacon sandwich on some rather nice bread. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's, <laughs> sorry, completely forgetting half of the other stuff. We got our bread from Oak Bakery in St Leonard's, which is the company that used to company the bakery that used to <laughs> supply our bread at Shamsit Roasters Cafe when yeah. we had it. Basically, if you ever had a grilled cheese sandwich from us in the three and a half years that we were there you had it on the oak bakery's bread yeah but they they also sell some nice coffee in there they do sell <laughs> shamsi roses coffee in there so, so get yourself down there if you're <laughs> so we're plugging tons of places all of a sudden um well with that in mind i've got another one we're also drinking some coffee uh, and this uh this episode we're drinking some deer green social bite blend um, Deer Green are based in Glasgow. Uh, they've been going for quite a while. This is, I think, the first time I've ever actually got their coffee. Mm. I really like this um, for a couple of reasons, really. It's a blend, which is quite rare, mm. I think, with speciality coffee roasters. And uh, I'm a bit of a fan of blends, hence why Shamsity Roasters has, does a couple of blends. And they, it's, they've done a really good job of it. It's really, it's really good. Um, and also, some of the proceeds are going to a charity to help with ending homelessness in Scotland. Oh, nice. So it's really cool. I should, on that note, I should also mention that Green Kitchen, um, they give a lot of their proceeds to the Retreat Animal Sanctuary, which is um, down here in Sussex somewhere. I can't think where, but um, really good. They have their own cafe as well, which is amazing, but I've never been there. But I'm sure it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So anyway, enough babble. Let's start with a song before we get carried away. So this first song is by a band called The Cutaways, and the song is called Dead Name. They're from Brisbane in Australia. Yeah. Is it Brisbane or Brisbane? Brisbane. I'm going Brisbane. Who knows? Briz. 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 Oh, I can't do anything. Okay, so <laughs> this is the cutaways. They're from Brisbane, Australia. This song is from their album Wax Woman that came out in 2019. Uh, they're a really great band. And yeah, we're a bit lucky to be able to play them on this, I think. So this is the cutaways with Dead Name. Dead 
favorite albums of 2019 i absolutely love that band um it the majority of them used to be in a band called army of champions oh my god that song we used to have one of their songs on the cafe oh, playlist most of their songs on the cafe oh playlist, and it was so yeah. good uh, the song that you're referring to is called Anchor. yeah yeah oh so good um, you should definitely check that them out and uh but yeah definitely check out the cutaways the album they've got a couple of newer songs than that up on their band camp at the moment and uh yeah brilliant go and listen to them uh, so now, I think it's probably about time for... Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. Breaking news is part of this job. You are fake news. News. This is what's happening in your world. Tonight. The fucking news. News. The fucking news. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. I'm going to kick off uh, with something that I found out this week, uh, which is that the fanzine Punk Planet, uh, which was a really amazing fanzine from the 90s and I think early noughties, um, has just been put up in its entirety online for free. Uh, There's 80 issues of it. Punk Planet was really important to me when I was uh, sort of a kid. I I have absolutely no idea how I stumbled across it, but it was kind of in the same realm as Maximum Rock and Roll and um, Flipside and things like that. But it was much more of a sort of political um, thing and it had a lot more... It was more about like punk culture as opposed to just punk. But it did have a lot of really great interviews. There's a really good book. I can't remember the name of the book at all, but um, that's like a collection of their interviews and it's got everyone from like Ian McKay to Kathleen Hanna to just loads, loads and loads of people. Um, but yeah, it's um, so the entirety of it, all 80 issues, is, is, is all up online, which is just an incredible resource. And I would really recommend checking it out. Obviously, some of it will probably be dated at this point. Um, but 
it was just such a great fanzine. Hmm. I say fanzine, it was really professional and proper. Where did you say it was based? Chicago, oh, okay. I think. An 80, um, eight zero. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I mean, I think it was bi-monthly, and they, and they got really, like I say, they got really professional about halfway through that print run. It started off looking like Maximum Rock and Roll, or probably even not that, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, by the time it finished, it was like a proper magazine. I think you could buy it in... Smith? I want to say no. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't available in this country, but in America, I'm sure it was like, yeah, I think it was just generally available. Anyway, it's brilliant. Nice. Check it out. And um, what's, that, so what's their website? Or do it's you, a really it good called? question. Uh, it's called Punk Planet. I think if you go to, so I think they've still got their, their old website, which I think is just punkplanet.com. Nice. And if you go there, it takes you to like the archive. The Yeah, punkplanet.com. And it will take you to the internet archive, okay. which you can then just go and scroll through all the issues. Sounds good. Um, my first bit is it was the WWE Royal Rumble over the weekend. <laughs> so we mentioned before we watch AEW Wrestling, which is a different company. But every now and then we dip back into the WWE and watch the pay-per-views. Yeah, I think only really for the... Uh, the Royal Rumble just was like yeah. the one that I always used to enjoy as a kid and stuff. I mean, for those who maybe don't know what this is, the Royal Rumble is everyone a Everyone knows what the Royal Rumble maybe is. Maybe not cool. everyone knows exactly what the rules are. The rules are <laughs> um, that it's a 30-man, and now female, but anyway, yeah. a 30-man match. Um, one person, no, two people start, and then one by one, every two minutes, another yeah, person comes I don't out. Think it's always two minutes, I noticed. The women's one, I think sometimes it was about yeah, 30 seconds. Yeah, they rushed it, didn't they? Yeah. But anyway... It's a 30-person match, two people start in the ring, and then every two minutes another person comes out. And you have to be, uh, you can only eliminate someone by chucking them over the top rope. So it, can, it has the potential to go on for a very long time. Thankfully, this one didn't, because <laughs> no. it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, there's, there's sort of other things that make it good in as much as, obviously, when no one knows who's coming out next. So I yeah. think there's an element, and sometimes they bring out, you know people from the past or like surprise yeah. entrance and stuff i don't know i just remember it as a kid just being the, the exciting match like that's the yeah. one you, that's the one that you watch yeah. i mean it's, it's it's exciting because it builds itself on having like moments so there's people who like basically you can only be eliminated if you are thrown over the top rope and your feet hit the floor oh, yeah, yeah. and that that is really <clears throat> kind of exaggerated in the scope of how you can survive that. So some people are thrown over, but they land on their hands and they handstand back to the ropes and get back in. And there's it, people that jump onto the barriers and jump back into the ring and don't touch the floor. Yeah, it, but, didn't, it didn't used to be exaggerated when it was just like yeah. big fat men. Yeah, they true. couldn't, do, you know, they just rolled over <laughs> and then they were out. But. but the other thing is also that you have people who come back, like Dave said, people who maybe haven't been in it for years and come back and it's like, oh my God. Um, and last year a person called Edge came back who hadn't been in it for mm. about 10 years. Um, well, maybe less than that. Uh, no, I think it was about that. About he retired. Years. I think he had a bad back or something. Yeah. So he had to retire. So he was part of a tag team. Um, he came back as a singles person, came back last year in the Royal Rumble, went on to have a match at Wrestle. He didn't win, but he went on to have a match at WrestleMania. Really shit which match. was so shit between him and Randy Orton. And it was mm. just so painful. Anyway, he was the first entrant into this match and I just had a sinking feeling from then that they were going to let him win. Mm. And this is a man that can't really do anything. He spent well. most of the match... He can, but... 
yeah, he doesn't look. I mean, you know, he's he's got a bit older. He's not that old. He looks amazing. He looks amazing, but also much older because he's only forty something. Yeah. And he looks in his face. His he looks skin. like he's about sixty. His skin's hanging off a bit. But he's yeah, yeah. But anyway, so he spent most of the match laying on the floor. The one person that came out that was like, "Oh my god, he's from the past," was Christian, who was oh, his, his old tag team partner. <laughs> so he came out. They had a nice little cuddle, and they one by one start eliminating people. Um, so that's all big and exciting, whatever. But yeah, Edge is it left not, to the it end. It was not exciting. Um, someone got th- not thrown over the ropes, but he got an injury earlier on, which is Randy Orton, who Edge had this match with at WrestleMania last year. And because he wasn't eliminated, surprise, surprise, when Edge was the last person in the ring, Randy Orton comes back fully healed. Um, but Edge still manages to win. Yeah. And so painfully, Edge will now have another match at WrestleMania, probably against Randy Orton, probably going to be a repeat of last year. It was really it was, crap. It was, it was crap. <laughs> I think uh, the women's one was a bit better. And uh, I, I quite enjoyed, there was a match in it that was Kevin Owens against... Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. And I really liked that match, but that was sort of just because they went backstage and started hitting in each other with, you know... And they did some big jumps and, off yeah, of they some off stuff. I like that. But um, the thing that really stood out to me more than anything else, because like we say, we, we haven't watched that much wrestling in our lives... But very recently, have been watching AEW, which is set up mm. in a slightly different way. But WWE, with all of its money and what have you, have have done this thing, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen, but I'd never actually watched it before, where they've got screens instead of uh, a crowd, they've got like loads and loads of TV screens mm. with different people's faces watching the thing through a webcam. Yeah, I guess. And so you've got just. Loads of yeah, I don't know. Loads of people sitting in their front rooms, watching through a screen, and then they've piped in loads of audience noise, which the people obviously aren't making. So there's this. It sounds like the thing that it reminded me of is when I was a kid and used to play like wrestling computer games. Mm. Was that there was like this constant hum of the crowd, which was like exactly the same as what you'd get in that and then every now and again someone if someone did a move the person with the volume knob would turn it up a little bit and it would sound like people were cheering it was really weird yeah it was i don't know i didn't like that at all it was a bit strange and it covered up loads of things as well someone did a rap halfway through (laughs) which was fucking dreadful but you couldn't hear the music behind you could hear him rap but you couldn't there was like a dj guy with music you couldn't hear it because the harm of the crowd and the sort of occasional like fake cheer that sounded like you know like canned laughter used to sound in yeah. in uh, shit comedies god that guy who rapped with shit oh my who god was he? he was called bad bunny and i looked him up he's got like 30 million followers on instagram he must be a, a thing in the youth of today maybe but I think, um, well, I think they said he was the biggest artist in south, of, south he's America, a, the biggest latin artist at the moment in the world at the moment according to wwe mm. but he was absolutely Fucking horrendous. Mm. But one teeny tiny redeeming feature came later when he, for some reason, one of the wrestlers trashed his DJ's um, equipment for no reason whatsoever (laughs) other than to bring out Bad Bunny to be like, what? Fuck you guys. And he did this jump off the top rope. (laughs) He got up to the top rope really swiftly like he knew what he was doing, which was 
quite impressive. Then he got a bit tentative as he jumped off. We thought, oh, God, he's going to kill himself. And then he took out two wrestlers, and it was actually really impressive. It was... Not unlike... I was going to say, it's much better than the last one of these, where a celebrity... In AEW, Snoop Doggy Dog was on <laughs> AEW, and he tried to do the same thing. And Snoop Doggy Dog is the longest man he's a very I've ever long seen. man he, I think it's because he's so thin or something yeah he's so long he's about six and a half foot six and a half foot uh, 6.5 I don't know he's quite tall <laughs> but he did that and it oh. was just the most I worried for his you, scre- you so screamed much. please don't die Snoop Doggy Dog <laughs> whilst we were watching it and he didn't die but he very nearly killed oh, himself God, it was ugly it wasn't. was really sad but he was very chuffed with himself it he was, was. Really and nice. so he should be and I loved it afterwards he looked so relieved and that bit was nice yeah he was like high-fiving oh. people and that was nice but yeah, this guy was better than Snoop Doggy Dog in the jumping state, oh, but, but much, song. much shitter than Snoop Doggy Dog in the terrible in the music state. So Royal Rumble, if you want to go watch it, go watch it. We've spoiled it now. And um, Bad Bunny, never listen to him; he's rubbish. Oh shit! Yeah, spoiler alert. We we're going to tell you who won all of the Royal Rumble. I mean, we just told. No, I know. It was, it was supposed who... to be a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. Anywho, so um, my next bit of uh, news is that Glenn Danzig. Um, is returning with a new movie. Yes. Um, I don't know when. They've not released the date of it yet, but it's going to be called um, Death Rider in the House of Vampires. <laughs> and, um, there's a couple of little tidbits I've got about it. One is that Danny Treju is going to be Yes! Oh, this is perfect. Uh, which is quite amazing. The other thing is that Glenn Danzig himself is going to be in it. Yes. And the other thing to bring Was up is the... just the fact that if you haven't seen Glenn Danzig's first film, Verotica, oh my God. it is... I haven't got any words to describe what it is. I think the, within five minutes, there's a woman with eyeballs for nipples. Um, yeah, that's, well, that's the best bit. You see probably. that quite early on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's oh. unbelievably bad. But, it, you know, it, I will say this. There's something about it that I liked a lot more than, you know, these films that people enjoy because they're so bad, like The Room and, yeah. and all those sorts of things. There's something about... I think it's the fact that I'm aware of, somewhat aware of, and Danzig's attitude to the world and he is he doesn't have any sarcasm or sense of humour about himself whatsoever so every single thing that he made in that film and I presume made in this film as well he was 100% into like yeah. that was totally his his thing that he thought he was making the greatest film of all time but I mean it's so inept Did... beyond inept I mean there's things like you know the boom mic is in the shot for half of it and stuff like that. Like, there's some edits where, the, like, it seems like they forgot to cut out some of the scene and stuff. It's like people stop acting and sort of <laughs> stroll off the side. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's an unbelievable thing to to observe, uh, to see. I didn't think. didn't he at the premiere? He played it and he sat there, boom, <laughs> beaming with pride, and the audience are just pissing themselves laughing. And he's like, "This isn't a comedy film." No, guys. he literally. I think that was the like, only thing he said at the end. He just got the microphone and he said something like, "I didn't realise this was a comedy or something." <laughs> I'm not really sure, but again, Bless like him. someone else saying that, you would, you know, you if it was like a sort of smart millennial or something you mm. would think oh this person's got maybe wasn't in on the joke but they've worked out that they yeah. can make some money from this glenn danzig has no fucking idea and he's gonna about, do it again like, well he's done it again oh it's also got <laughs> julian sands in it who's that julian sands is in loads of 80s horror movies and he loves to get his dick out oh he's God. got a very handsome cock i oh. <laughs> i don't know if i want to watch it well you know it's got someone from blair witch 2 in it oh it's got um devon sarwar 
He was in, uh, so he's in Final Destination. Okay. He's he was big in like the in the, like the two thousands I think oh. not big. He's in Idle Hands. Have you seen Idle <laughs> no, Hands? No, I haven't seen that. Idle Hands is really good. Um, Danny yeah. Trejo though, that's pretty yeah, good. I mean, that's a pretty it, big uh, pull. And what's he doing in that film? <laughs> Poor Danny Trejo. Well, I mean, he's been in a lot of probably worse films. Well, not worse. There's nothing worse than a Glenn Danzig film. Oh, side note: Danny Trejo makes donuts in L.A. So he doesn't. Make I mean, he doesn't make them. But <laughs> yeah. He owns a donut shop. And it's really cool. They have donuts shaped like machetes. Oh, they do. Yeah. They, they were really delicious too. Yeah. Although most of them weren't vegan, and you could only the, the vegan ones were all much sadder than. Yeah, the they did a shit, didn't they? Oh, by the way, uh, sorry, Glenn Danzig was asked for comment about yeah. this film during a Q&A or something. And he just said, everybody in the movie is a vampire. So you won't have to wait around to see the vampire. They're all fucking vampires. <laughs> so, <you laughs> Thanks know, for clearing that up, That's as exciting as even he finds it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, it's nice of him to clear that up for us. He's a good boy, Glenn Danzig. He's not, he's a prick, but he, you know, I love him. So. He tries really hard. He's as tall as me. Yeah, he's quite sure. He does stand on rocks when he does band photos and stuff. He's always he's always got tall band members. I think he sacked his band because they were t- too tall. Oh. And then he hired a whole new band that looked exactly the same, but they were like a, bit a, shorter. Foot, a foot shorter. <laughs> Good on him. 5'3 is a perfect height. I agree. Ah, right. My little next bit of news. Not going to dwell on this too long, but for those who, many people who are listening will probably be aware of this Facebook group that turned up in the last oh. two weeks. <laughs> Um, it was called the UK DIY Punk Scene Facebook group. <laughs> Not going to dwell on it too long, but the idea was it was a community group that was going to get together different people from the punk communities in the UK. Um, there not, was this introductions little section where everyone was talking to each other about what bands they're in and what gigs they've been to and what venues they might run. And it was actually really nice for about three days. <laughs> um, until it turns out three and a half thousand people can't all agree or get along. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, and now so, it doesn't exist anymore. Right? Well, no, it does. So no, the person who made it, I mean, the poor sod who, imagine like you start this little group and you just don't think it's going to be that big because you think, oh, it's just going to be my mates that join it and mm. extended friends. So however big that looks. Within three or four days, there was about a thousand, 1,500 people in this group. And yeah, then people start arguing with each other <laughs> and really arguing with each other. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really follow. I unfollowed it after. I think I learned something about myself a little bit, which I'm not very happy with, is that after the initial thing, it was like, it was just like all your mates were kind of like given yeah. this space to sort of share all the things that they were doing. And then as soon as, you know, Johnny Oi Oi from <laughs> Basildon joined the group and started making <laughs> jokes about his mother-in-law, mm. I immediately just unfollowed it. Yeah. And in hindsight, I feel a little bit like, oh, shit, did I? That's a bit of a pompous-ass thing to do, isn't it, really? I shouldn't have probably done that. But, they, I mean, but then I should have done it because it turns out that the whole thing just turned into a shit show. Well, but... yeah, it's self-preservation, isn't it? And I think there's so much positives that can be gleaned from it. And I think there's now people trying to save the group because the person who made it got a lot of information put together. And I think he was making a spreadsheet of all the different bands and where they're mm. located and where the venues are, where the promoters are and where the people who record music are. Um, and there's this wealth of information that was being collected. So I think um, there was a lot of interest in keeping... Some people wanted to keep the group running. And now two other people have come forward and they're the admins and they're looking for people to help run it. 
But again, I think it's already... I mean, they've renamed themselves, they've turned it into a private group, but there's probably still going to be arguments. But that's kind of life, isn't it? Like, not everyone is going well, to get along. I think it's very specific to social media as well, though, yeah. isn't it? We were having a conversation the other day about this, about how one of the reasons why the why a group like that works well is if everyone everyone has to engage with it in order for it to work well because otherwise Facebook won't show it to you on your on your feed. So if it's just, you said, wouldn't it be good if there was just a group where people could share the sort of positive things that they've done and mm. like if you know if a band releases a record they can post it on there and then and then we just get that information without all of the bullshit. But the problem is, is there are groups like that that already exist but the thing is they don't come up on your Facebook uh, timeline because the algorithms are all fucked up unless people are constantly feeding the thing and and the problem with social media is the only way that people constantly engage with something is if they're allowed to argue and bicker and yeah and have problems with each other it's like no one argue, no one no one engages with something if uh if you just post like your band's new album no one bothers going on there and sort of saying oh that's well good nice one yeah mm. good work and then someone else says yeah i enjoyed that like that just doesn't happen on social media anywhere. I don't think it only happens when you post something shit, and then everyone says, "Oh, this is a load of shit," hmm. and then someone starts arguing with them about it because they don't think it's a load of shit, and then suddenly everyone's engaged in it. And I feel like Facebook just sort of feeds negativity, doesn't it? Yeah, it's partly human nature, but I think it's definitely something that's set up to bring out the worst in us all. Yeah, I think the other thing about this group is three and a half thousand people aren't all going to have the same opinions. Mm, and they're going to be and, in different places. And you wouldn't have been... There was this idea at the beginning that it was going to be people of similar minds and and one of the admins tried to say, oh, this is for people that go to MPF and not Rebellion. <laughs> and as if that was going to be defining, you know, the difference between one person's train of thought and another. And I kind of... I guess there's more, like, old style punk bands that are rebellion and yeah, it's a newer totally, but, it's totally but it's such an it's such over a, it's a classist and ageist yeah thing, and like. it, for a group that you know i thought was promoting inclusivity very quickly it becomes this actually we didn't want all of you here yeah. and so the person who made the group said oh i'm gonna just ditch this group and start an invite only group and that kind of showed really to me probably what the idea of this group was at the beginning wouldn't it be nice yeah, if it was just all my mates and extended mates in one place and that's fine but that's not what uk diy punk scene facebook group is ever going to be because mm. diy punk in the uk is so much more than just you know the the bands you're friends with and bands are their friends with so yeah, but the punk umbrella and this is a good yeah. thing in a lot of ways the punk umbrella is so many different things i mean it's literally everything you can yeah. do it you can do anything and, and call it punk if you do it with a punk ethos exactly and so therefore of course some people are going to have a whole different opinions completely yeah. come from totally different like places than yeah. others you know and also just to say i don't agree with half those things but that's fine yeah like yeah. and i would i could argue with those people but it'd just be to be honest, my opinion is I don't want to waste my life having arguments with people who are never going to change their opinions. They can have their shitty opinions somewhere else. But that's the part of having a big group with tons of people in it. You're going to have those shitty opinions. If you want to choose to call people out on it, which is probably the right thing to do, and that's fine. But also, it's I like a very nice complicated life. Subject, yeah, isn't it? Which, it's really and again, hard. it's like I think social media just tries to, or it doesn't try. It just by almost default, it simplifies everything down to the nth degree. It's yeah. like, it's like. I've done this thing and someone's done something that I don't agree with. So I've, I have to do something about that. Mm. You know, whereas actually... Yeah, I don't know. It's hard because then you don't want to be the person that's letting someone be horrible. But anyway, it goes on and on and on. The group still exists. Good luck to it. Um, 
let's see, you know, by next episode, who knows. We had a discussion <laughs> about a week ago where you, we were talking about what news stories we were going to do on this podcast and you suggested doing it. This was before everything had gone to shit. Yeah, I was like, oh, no, in. fuck that. We're not going to cover a bloody Facebook group on this podcast. And then, and then two days later, the whole thing exploded <laughs> into like the only thing anyone that I knew was talking about. And it was like, shit, I suppose we're going to have to. Yeah, and we have gone away a while, so I'll move on now. Yes, well, my uh, last piece of news is a very quick one, and um, it's what's turning into a uh, a, a weekly uh, discussion of what Martin Appleby is up to. <laughs> <laughs> we did, this is the third Martin, week. Gonna, I'm, I, I swear, I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ban Martin Appleby from the next uh, podcast. This... No mention of him will be done. But I have to say this because this is about me as well. I feel like we're in this like polite off at the minute because Martin, yeah. since our last episode, Martin has done a shout out to us, and podcast, so now we're yeah. throwing it back to him. He's just gonna be like, "For fuck's sake, I can't do it. I'm putting out things anyway. I'm giving yeah, it away." Right, but tell me about it. Well, he's gonna have to do something pretty special in the next yeah, two weeks. Yeah, that next if podcast. If he wants to get in about... episode number four. <laughs> What are you bring around our house, Martin? <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm totally interrupting Dave. So. Um, but yeah, so um, so but, uh, very quick. Uh, so me and Martin are basically releasing a split poetry chapbook. Um, not a hundred percent sure when it's going to be out. Uh, we're still just sort of putting the final touches to the poems and stuff. It's going to come out through his new um, publishing house called Scumbag Press, which we mentioned last week. And uh, the chapbook is going to be called Fresh Words for Rotting Poems. All of the poems are going to be about punk, um, so it might hold some interest to you. I appreciate poetry is a bit of a hard sell, but I'm going to keep trying to sell it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is pretty much all I do now, and since we've been in lockdown. Uh, now I'm going to bring a little bit of the Norfolk news. Right, my little poppets. Uh <laughs> I've been scanning through the Eastern Daily Press website. I can't call it the EDP because Dave will get annoyed with me. It sounds like a Britain's first group. (laughs) Anyway, in the last two weeks, it has been a bit dull on the EDP's website, but there is one story that got my attention. That's nice and quick, and I'll I'll, I'll share it with you now. Please do. Well, David, would you hear it? (laughs) Headline... Parrot ate so many crisps she got too fat to fly. <laughs> this is on the news. <laughs> I wonder why you picked this story out. Well, I relate to this poor little parrot <laughs> quite quite heavily. <laughs> oh, gosh. Bud the parrot ate so many crisps she became too fat to fly. <laughs> she was so overweight she dropped to the ground when she tried to fly, but she has slimmed down now after a crash diet in her new home. <laughs> oh, it's a... You thought it was going to be bad. I was going to say, it did sound a bit you like thought, animal abuse for a little while. Well, she did end up going to the RSPCA because no. her original owners couldn't couldn't cope with her obesity. No. She is 22 well, years fed old. Her the, hold on, they yeah. fed her the fucking crisps. I know. Cheeky well, comments. I noticed they said their name, so we can't go bang around their ace and say, why'd you get my parrot so fat? I'd be right round there. I know. I bet they live just outside of Yarmouth. Uh, No. <laughs> no. Well, not judging by which... Anyway, we'll get to that on right. PCA. I like this line. I think I relate to this quite heavily. Uh, imagine that it says a different age. The 22-year-old bird was extremely obese thanks to an obsession with crisps. We've all been there, bud. Don't you worry. <laughs> Fucking hell. This is my life being flashed before me on the, on the EDP. Um, Chloe Shorten, who works at the branch at Ashwellthorpe near Wyndham, now owns Bud and she said uh, Bud arrived a few days before lockdown hit she'd become too much for her owners and they couldn't long they couldn't 
take care of her any longer. So let's see. She was extremely overweight, weighing in at 620 grams, which is more than 200 grams heavier than she should have been. 200 grams. 200 grams is a lot. Yeah. That's like four bags of big bags of coffee. 200 grams? That's much less than that. (laughs) No. It's much less than that. Slightly more than a really small bag of coffee. (laughs) So 620 grams, David. That's just over half a kilo, if you remember what a kilo is. No. No. Kilo's a thousand grams, David. You're doing well. Whilst it's tricky to tell from looking when a parrot is overweight, you could tell when she tried to fly, she would literally drop to the floor. Poor little bud. I... I will try and find a way to put a link to this story on there because this parrot is a beauty. Do you they wouldn't, not say, you wouldn't know she was I've overweight. got so many questions. Is that it from the story? There's I want a to know. Bit more. I want to know what her favourite crisps were, but I more want to know what did she used to did she used to talk about crisps because parrots talk. Well, let's have a look. Let's see what the rest of this story oh, says. Right. I, I have a feeling I that uh, none of that will be in no. it. <laughs> She has the hearing of a bat and can detect a packet of crisps being opened from four miles away. I don't know how they ever tested that. That is a fucking lie. <laughs> well, the RSP said RSPCA have said it, so it must be true. So um, she's now on a strict diet, and it includes fresh vegetables, nuts, and Bud's new favourite food. Get this, David: Rice bananas. Cakes. Oh, fuck's sake! <laughs> this has taken a horrible oh, turn. Oh, shut up. Crisps were strictly banned from our house, so she couldn't get hold of any. But thankfully, she's quickly lost the weight, and now she's much happier. Love and life can fly again, and it's great to see her soar around the house. She's such a funny character. She loves my husband and likes to serenade him with her rendition of the Adams Family theme. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, and that, listen to this. She likes to make an appearance on video calls, which always surprises people. <laughs> and she often sometimes wolf whistles at people so that that can take some explaining when I'm on a work call. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. Wonderful. Why somebody who works at the RSPCA, what are they seeing animals through a webcam? I ain't got a fucking clue, David. They're a bit, <laughs> they're a bit more technologically savvy in Norfolk than you would have first thought. I don't know about holding like a cat up to a webcam and having a vet look at it. Oh. <laughs> Little Bud the Parrot, you fucking booty. <laughs> Too many crisps. Oh, nice. We've all been there. We've all been there, I Bud. I really thought we were going to run out of Norfolk News stories. No, I mean, it was a bit dry these last two mu- two weeks. Um, <laughs> but she came and saved the day, little Bud. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> cool, let's have some more music. This next song is by some friends of ours, Butane Regulators. They're from mm-hmm. Hastings. I was trying to think of a tidbit that I could tell you about Butane. They were the first, when I put some gigs on down here, under the guise of Sham City Roosters, they were the first band to ever play one. Oh, that's nice. I think that's true. Yeah. Were they the first band we ever saw when we came to Hastings? Yeah, possibly, Because they supported Matilda's Scoundrels at that gig we went to when we first got down here. I think the first band we ever saw was Cheap Dates, actually, but let's not. Anyhow, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, we're going to play, yeah, Butane Regulators with a new song, which I think is called Hirudania. I think Who I'm knows? saying that right. I have absolutely no idea what that word means whatsoever. <laughs> um, it's just come out on a brand new compilation, which is called Birds of a Feather Flock Together um, on Grow Your Own Records. We've mentioned Grow Your Own Records on every episode of this podcast too, I think. It's going well. Uh, it's going good, <laughs> isn't it? This is journalism. Um, it's just come out and uh, it's a great song and it's a really, really, really good uh, compilation as well. You should definitely check it out. There's loads of cool bands on there. I haven't heard of a lot of them, but the ones I have, Dogma, who we played last mm. week, Riviera Kid, they're from Kent, they're really good. Um, some band called Haste, 
Uh, Rabies Babies, they're really great. Um, lots of bands. Um, so you should definitely check it out. And yeah, this is Butane Regulators with Harud and Ia. and that's 80s cheesy pop songs. (laughs) (laughs) We, ages ago, some of our friends decided to challenge each other to make our top 10 80s songs. Yeah. And we ran away with it and took it far too seriously. I think we're the only two who've actually done. No. No, everyone did it. Oh, did they? But 
we took a long time to do it, putting a lot of limitations and rules upon ourselves. We <laughs> wanted to share with you the journey and what our top tens actually hard look like. Um, so we did put ourselves a few limits. Um, Some they of had them are to... hard to describe. Well, so basically, we have a huge love for pretty much anything that came out of the 80s. And that includes everything that came after punk. That includes everything that got tied in with new romantics. That includes everything that was hardcore punk at the time. There's just... And and within pop, it's ridiculously varied. So we put in really strict limits. It had to be cheesy 80s pop um, to oh, some, some limit. Although actually, yeah, it wasn't a very good limit. <laughs> so maybe it's worth saying that it's based on... So for the last couple of years, since we, when we were doing uh, all of the Toxic What's It gigs that we put on and What's It Cool Fest, we started up a playlist, a Spotify playlist, that we'd play basically between every band. And we called that a cheesy 80s disco. disco. Again, not all of those songs are cheesy, but it's sort of, so that's where it came out of. Mm. But that was a very specific type of song. Yeah, so to explain it a teeniest bit more, things like Journey Don't Stop Believing... That's kind of like everyone knows that's a good song. You're not allowed to include it. You're also not allowed we to include... We have a long conversation about whether you could include that. No, we can't. <laughs> but it also tips on to you're not allowed to include 80s rock. Yeah. So we love Bon Jovi. You can't have Bon Jovi. So Living on a Prayer, everyone knows it's a good song, but it still counts as 80s rock and there are better Bon Jovi songs that so goes down a weird rabbit hole. So also, you couldn't... it's definitely a pop song. But yeah. it wasn't necessarily made by a pop but band. That's, that's what I, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Pour Some Sugar On Me is a fucking good pop song. But it's also Def Leppard. And whether you call that good rock or not, <laughs> it's not allowed to count. So, that, I mean, that cuts away pretty much every great... I mean, we love Kiss, we love yeah. Bon Jovi, White Snake, Def Leppard, all that kind of shit. And we couldn't include any of that. And but it, that's I good, because we probably, needed limits. It probably goes without saying that it doesn't include, obviously, really good... There's no Black Flag songs in our list. You know, no, there's no, a no. lot of... Obviously, extremely, extremely good music from the 80s. Yeah. Which which could have been... And this is good music. I don't mean to suggest, but it's just... Yeah. No, no, really great bands were allowed. And then to... Well, it's weird. Because then, to be honest, and we'll get onto each other's lists in a minute, within our own interpretations of it, I put upon myself some weird limits Mm. within... There's certain bands that are really good and they had far better songs than I've picked, but I've picked the most cheesy 80s one of the lot yeah. or the one that represents to me the 80s. So maybe the one that I first heard growing up or such and such and such. Anyway, we'll get on to mine in a bit. We've got a top 10 each. We're going to kind of go through each of our lists a bit at a time so as to kind of spread out the uh, variety that we have. And then ultimately whittle it down to one you, you, Siobhan doesn't really agree with me on this but we've whittled it down so that the last one we do is our greatest 80s cheesy pop song within the limitations that we've both set for ourselves which yeah. are slightly differing I, think. I mean I must add my top 10 I've already changed one song this morning <laughs> based on I had a list of about 250 narrowed it down to this top 10 and within that some of my absolute all time favourite songs are not on this list but this is like the list that represents the 80s to me oh but it doesn't it's really hard to you can see so why, I'll probably you can won't see start why making this Short list of 10 songs took us the best part of the day. This was a day of talking about nothing else and <laughs> a lot of arguing. Furiously getting videos up on yeah. YouTube. So anyway, we won't start with me because I've babbled on. So, uh, Dave, Okay, so we're going we're gonna to do three. Three at a time. We're going to do three at a time. We'll go, um, we'll go between ourselves. So I'm going to... 
So my first nine, and I think this is true of you as well. They're not; these aren't in any order specifically. Oh yeah, these top tens aren't like well, apart from one the ma- to ten. Apart from the one, <sighs> depends on the day. Today, this is my number one. But anyway, we'll get to it. Right. So my first three are the Communards, "Don't Leave Me This Way," Madonna, "Papa Don't Preach," and Erasure, "A Little Respect." So I surprised myself with one of these. Yeah. I didn't expect to put any Madonna songs in yeah, this Yeah, I'm, I'm quite shocked. Well, so, but I ended up on my list, I think there was about four, I can't tell you what they all were, but I ended up almost, I was confused between a bunch of them, a bunch of different ones. Or a bunch of um, different Madonna songs. Yeah. And I, I but I, when I heard Papa Don't Preach, I thought, yeah, shit, this totally encapsulates everything that, everything that I am uh, sort of aiming for with this list. Is it definitely so? That's definitely like that was your Papa Don't Preach was a hundred percent. There was a, some other ones. There was Borderline was one. Oh yeah, Borderline's um, good. Oh god, I can't remember. I was just surprised to find how much I actually like Madonna songs when we listen to yeah. them. Yeah, on that on that morning when we're doing it. Erasure, a little respect is just one of my favourite songs ever. It's probably the song that I find myself just singing. Yeah. Walking down the street more than comes any on other. a lot in Morrison's. It does. <laughs> so maybe that's why. Maybe this sort of been. Uh, yeah, maybe they've been inserting messages into yeah. my head when I've been buying my <laughs> buyer life. Um, and the communards don't leave me this way was one that I definitely was definitely I immediately thought of, um, along with lots and lots of other ones. But when we actually listened to it, I was like, "Fuck me, Isn't this that song, song so... is so perfect." It's just amazing. Yeah. Like that was a close. I mean, yeah, that was one of the last to be crossed off my list for sure. And Jimmy Somerville, I think, to me is like just an ultimate eighties figure. Really, <laughs> He's a in, God. in in like both in sort of tacky 80s pop way, but also in like a really genuine way. I think yeah. Bronski Beat were actually a really, really important band for gay yeah. rights and stuff. And yeah. I just think, I think he's amazing. Although we did buy his greatest hits and it's got like the first five songs are fucking brilliant. But then, no, it goes, it turns into proper poo. Like about no! The second CD is all sort of like I'm getting Barbara, low. Barbara Streisand piano <laughs> covers. And stuff. No, but they did that song... Um... There's loads of yeah, loads of that. lyrics we're getting tattooed on us based on my top ten at least and off that and one of them was like the power within we will use it to win yes. or something and I was like yes you, I thought you were getting that on your knee yeah I think so with a picture of him did, in the middle yeah but you never did it yeah well no good everything's enclosed <laughs> and one of my other songs is going around the other knee <laughs> we'll get to him later so yeah I think that's my first three I don't know they're a good first three mm, may I just add uh, Madonna was a close on mine but it wasn't any of those songs it was um, we had this argument um, the day. I can't remember yours express yourself yeah you see that's, that didn't oh, come that didn't go near my so list so good it's funny isn't it so good mm. and um, crazy for you for ballad that didn't good. go near my list either. I think they we were found, the two Madonna We found this a few times. There was a few people where, like, we agreed on them, but we were talking about different songs. We were like, yeah, that one's yeah. got to go in, and then it turned out you hated the song that I thought yeah. had to go in, and vice versa. Well, so. yeah, there's a few on your list that I think that about, but anyway, we'll no, get there's to them. One, there's one I know you do, but go on. Ooh. We'll get to it. So. Okay, so my first three... Um, I share one with you. Mm-hmm. Erasure, Little Respect. That's yeah, on my list. I thought you picked a different Erasure I th- Well, no, I thought that we had nothing in common about our list. It's the only one that we have that's the same. I thought you picked Sometimes. No. It's nowhere near yeah. as... I always sing it and think it's good, but yeah. A Little Respect is perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. It's so, so, so amazing. <laughs> Sorry, and anyway, Yeah, it's a, weird, it's a weird emotion that it stirs up. <laughs> um, then I'm, I crossed one off. 
I had Starship. Nothing's going to stop us now. <laughs> you on there. weren't allowed that. And I've um, I've crossed myself off with that one <laughs> because it was it was a proper eighties song from my uh, past. But anyway, yeah. I'm not going to use that. So my first three: Erasure, Little Respect. Yeah. You've already mentioned that. Um, I replaced Starship with Stacy Q, Two of Hearts, mm-hmm. and Thompson Twins. Hold me now. I can't even begin to explain how good these songs are. So Erasure, <laughs> we've already done. Stacy Q. So this breaks my first rule that I set for myself, so I have already done it wrong. I wasn't going to allow myself songs that I've recently discovered, Mm. because obviously you can't know every 80s song, but recently we've been going on a lot of YouTube polls where you start on one song and you go for what's next recommended, and we've discovered tons of music, and we'll Mm. go into some honourable mentions maybe at the end if we have Mm. time. And Stacey Q isn't... It doesn't quite fit in there, but it is something I only heard... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, probably I knew of it. First time I actually listened to it was on RuPaul's Drag Race. They did a lip sync for it, and it was amazing. I can't remember who did it now, but it was so good. And then it's also it's in Sunny. Hot Rod. Oh, it's in Sunny in Philadelphia. And it's in Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. So basically, it comes up in all these wonderful little... Um, and that's probably where most people I know who really love the song have heard it. That's so it's not, it. it's not yeah. genuinely... 80s it is 80s but no one remembers it as an 80s song people remember it as an 80s song that was used in something quite current so originally i wasn't going to allow this but it's so good it's just so the so rules we made up so amazing it's, easy, it's, easy to break it's such a good little dance um and then so the other one i mentioned thompson twins hold me now is just insane who the twins are i don't know because they are not, yeah, they're, not they're clearly not related so the I, three I, of them i so i don't think i'd heard this song before i met you Really? Yeah, it's really weird. I, I feel like, because we listen to it so much now, I feel like I know it like, super well. But I'm pretty sure, when you when you, you told me about this song as a sort of, oh, you know that one? And I'm pretty sure I didn't. I just think it's such a banging, it, like, 80s right? ballad pop thing. I remember when I worked in my very first nursing job, the OT that I worked with said this was his favourite song ever, <laughs> like, in the world. And I always thought, God, that's really fucking strange. And I didn't know what the song was. And then I just gave it a few more listens, and I was like, this song is so... <clears throat> like, at first listen, you might think, God, that's a shit song. Why is he not singing? Oh, Why are the words so crap? Think you would. But it's just not. It's so beautiful, yeah. and it's so lovely. And the more it goes on, I just adore it. And it's probably their only good song i have tried to listen to other thompson twins it's not as good this song is just stand out really see good. to me thompson twins they were always in charity shop bins when i used to and buy loads of records. <laughs> yeah i'm sure they are and i think i always just thought they were they were just a crappy you know, like stock aching and walkman type of band yeah and I, yeah so i was quite surprised when it's, just a, it's, a, it's a good song uh all right my next three are uh jane weedle in rush hour go west we close our eyes and uh, Pat Benatar, Invincible. God, those are such good songs. <laughs> this is good, just this bit is going to go on for so long. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I think it might be worth uh, mentioning. You you said about how we go on these YouTube polls for a number of years, a lot of years now. We've ended up with this a part of a big part of our lifestyle is that every now and again, if we have a day off, we'll just get really drunk and <laughs> turn on YouTube and see what happens. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> and it's always like music, really. And so a lot of these songs, like you say, we discovered a lot of these songs. And I feel like, although I didn't discover any of these songs specifically through those YouTube polls, I feel like these three are very... Go that West. Go West song. That Go West song, We Close Our <gasps> Eyes. I don't know if this is the one or not in the video where he's wearing a dirty vest. Yes, it and is. He's, and he's singing, <laughs> he's, so into a, he's singing into a wrench. Yeah. It's a very strange decision for a video. And he looks like... <laughs> 
Uh, he's supposed to, I suppose, look like ruggedly handsome and like he's done a day's work. <laughs> but he just looks like a weird, sweaty man. I, I don't know. I, I, it's a very strange decision, that video, I think. Yeah. But it is brilliant, all the same. And I just love that song. And I think I vaguely remember it from kind of hearing it, maybe not at the time it came out, because I think I would have been too young. But I think it was like one of those songs that I remember as an 80s hit from... Yeah. But whereas the other two, so the Jane Wheedlin song, Jane Wheedlin was obviously in the Go-Go's, and I always loved this song, but I'm pretty sure the first time I ever heard this song was a cover of it, which was in the 90s, mid-90s, this band called Joyrider, who I don't think ever did anything else, they did quite a, a, a cover of this song, like mm-hmm. a rock cover, sort of, they probably would have called it a pop-punk cover, I'm not sure. And it got in the charts, I think. It might have even got quite high in the charts. And... It's a bit different, but I think that's probably where I first heard heard of this song. And then, like, I got I, I, Jane Wheedlin's solo album, I think, of which I think there's only one. There's certainly only one famous one. But the mm. album that's got Rush Hour on it is fucking brilliant, I think. Mm. It's one of the greatest pop It's got that um, I Can't made. Wear Fur and uh, yeah, songs. Yeah, there's some really there's good songs so, in there. so good. And then Pat Benatar, Invincible, was a bit of... It came from left field a little bit because there's much more famous Pat Benatar songs. This one's from a film called The Legend of Billy Jean. Jean, which is a fucking brilliant film. Mm. Such a good film. Um, and this song is just, it's the, the most anthemic song I can think of, really. And it's so good. And Pat Benatar is Genius. just brilliant. Yeah. And like her, her, all of her songs, pretty much. I'm not so fond of the ballads, although I think that's probably just me. Mostly I don't... That's true of most of these people. Although didn't you cover her most famous ballad, or song at least, with your brother? Yeah, we yeah. I've so, I don't know. Yeah, we can we play that, can we? No, no. Um, <laughs> I, oh, sorry. I need to get your permission. You're not going to say yes. <laughs> yes. Just, don't worry. It's not copyright. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just think Pat Benatar's brilliant. But I do think a genuine. And we had this was a this was another one that we had a real hard time, or I had a real hard time, like narrowing them down. But I think we went through all of our songs when we were yeah. making this list, and I just I was really trying to be really trying to kind of work out what I thought was the best one. And this one well, the most just 80s. such a banger. Yeah, I don't know if this is even the most 80s. I think probably Love is the Battlefield is the most 80s. Yeah, maybe. Because this is a bit more... It's very much a pop song, but it's a bit more like in the sort... It's more rock, probably, than yeah. Love is the Battlefield. I yeah. Think. Cool. My next three are John Pass and Elmo's Fire, uh, yeah. Duran Duran, The Reflex. I'm going to regret that. I'll go back to that in a minute. And this one, Depeche Mode, Just Can't Get Enough. Depeche Mode, obviously, every song they ever did was better than Just Can't Get Enough. <laughs> like, yeah. they are such a genuinely good band. But because they are such a genuinely good band, I wanted to go with the one that encapsulated the 80s the most to me. They probably don't even like Just Can't Get Enough because it got so famous and is so, like, not the same as all their other songs. Um, Never Let Me Down is their best song. But for this purpose... I went just can't get enough because so it's I, such a good 80s I'm not sure that I would have included them anyway but I would have dis- I, for me I disallowed Depeche Mode because I saw them as being too yeah, good of a bat I yeah, know not, but, you're, but you're, this particular song no, I agree. is def- so unquestion- 80s unquestionable yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's just like and it's one that I always uh, growing up I was like that's one of my favourite 80s songs so I put it in Duran Duran The Reflex is such a good 80s song Hungry Like a Wolf is obviously better, <laughs> but it's so overdone and I really like the reflex. Um, Planet Earth was probably my favourite Duran Duran song. So again, the reflex is like pipping it just because it's got a stupid video. It's really like stupid. 
I love it. I hate Duran Duran. Oh, I love Duran Duran. I don't think there's... I don't think the, there's you, that didn't single, even enter. No, not remotely. No. <sighs> I think Duran Duran's best stuff was probably when they... If they, you they made like, say like, a prayer... No, I don't know what that... Yeah, maybe. Oh, you like absolute they, Where they sort of made like... So shit. Like a... I don't want to call it a grunge album because that's what? Of it. No. They made a sort of like serious rock album. Yeah, they like... did um, Ordinary World. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, if you, that's terrible. No, it's better. Than, it's like better that. than all their eighties. <gasps> but I mean, okay. it's all horseshit. But let me be clear. Oh, I hate Duran. You are. Anyway, so Duran Duran, the Reflex, obviously amazing. Notorious is another really good one, but again, really hard to decide. And John Parsons and Elmo's Fire no, is just. No explanation needed. And again, that came into my life far too late. It was on a YouTube poll where Dave was like, you know this song? And I was like, do I know this song? And it starts, and you're like, yeah, I really like it. The more I listen to it, the more I'm like, when it kicks into the chorus, it's just so, like, you, emotionally you amazing. You haven't seen the film, have you? No, I still haven't seen the film. So that's kind of crazy, because I I'm pretty sure... I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people listening have never heard this song. I think unless you've... I unless could you've sing seen it, the film, no. <laughs> I think unless you've seen the film, you... you you probably haven't heard it. But this one, like, the melodies are insane. Yeah. Like, every little no, bit that he does, song. I'm just like, oh, my heart is so with you, Mr. John Parr. So, those three, brilliant. Dave, next three. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, otherwise I'll talk about them all day. All right, so my last three runners-up. <laughs> They're not runners-up. Um, Alphaville, Forever Young. Mm. Culture Club, Karma Chameleon. And... Phil Collins, Susudio. Yeah, that's hard. That one was a hard one, but it turns out that's one of my favourite songs ever made. And I surprised myself with that. So Culture Club, Karma Chameleon, I actually do remember when I was literally like five or something. I think that was... I used to really love that song mm. as a, like a really little child. My my dad still takes a piss out of me now. Like, <laughs> I used to sing Boy George songs to yeah, Whatever. Um, and... So, yeah, and I still, I, I, I think it was one of those songs that I didn't really listen to very much for a long, a lot of years. And then it was only quite recently, not that recently, but a few years ago, I think I thought to myself, there's no way that song can live up to, like, how I remember it being when I was a little tiny child. And I put it on and it's such a fucking banging song. It's such a good song. Um, Alphabetville, Forever Young, I just think, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how people feel about this song, really. But mm. I, I, it makes it's, uh, it's a very emotional experience for me listening to uh, Forever Young. <laughs> um, and um, a couple of years ago, I don't know how many years ago, you bought me Alphaville's then new album. Yeah, it's probably five years old now. But uh, that was really good. It was great. Yeah, and they've just continued. I sort of looked into their career a little bit, and they because they 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 they're obviously just big in Germany, I guess, or probably. Uh, mainland Big Europe, and so they've just continued a career, and I suppose they're kind of like Germany's equivalent to like I don't know George Michael. Or I was going to say, oh. except they're alive. <laughs> and um, <gasps> any George Michael? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I think you brought him up. Anyway, um, so yeah, I just love that song so much, and if you put it in a film, I'm probably going to like the film, even if it's shit. And I can't name any films that have got it in it, but I know it's one that's used in a lot. Yeah. And it's like every time, it, it just when it kicks in. I mean, I think would I can pick this. Is it in Stranger Things where those two little kids are? Uh, he like dances with a girl for the first time. I think oh no, no 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 no! Oh one. god! It's all right. Don't worry. I can't remember what that is. But it's an amazing <laughs> song. It, it re- might even be one of these. Oh no! No, listening to you try and remember something is the yeah. shittest radio I no, can think of. It's, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then Phil Collins' Susudio. I so I thought of 
Phil Collins as a as a potential and wasn't really sure and I had a few sort of vague ideas of like what songs they might be and so I started listening through them all and I think Easy um, Easy Lover is probably probably what I should have picked Easy Lover really. was so but when close. I put on Two Studio I was blown away I was just like fuck this is amazing and now if I had to listen to a Phil Collins song <laughs> then I would listen to Two Studio well you're wrong because it should be Easy Lover well that's you know that's as it may be but <laughs> I just think it's a banger, and and I think as well it's probably his most eighties pop sounding song. Like in its, it's like ultimate like eighties synthy pop music, more so than you've heard Easy Lover. Yeah, but Easy <laughs> Lover is yeah, all right, yeah, true. <gasps> and I think um, the other one that I did think of was Invisible Touch by Genesis, but I, is that nineties or is it eighties? I think anyway, it was I, probably I, I, just, 80s. I decided. I decided. It's definitely on someone else's it. list, so I think it's eighties. There's a handful of like. There's a handful of like those later Genesis songs, but I find it I find it very difficult to I find it difficult to say the name Genesis to be honest, <laughs> just because of, just because it's the the so shit yeah it's so shit so yeah that's my three you got any uh, any any other opinions to throw at me yeah, <laughs> no they're good I mean that's the worst Phil Collins song but that's fine it's not the worst Phil Collins song but. You know, you uh, also, ultimately, Phil Collins is one of the worst men. Yeah, it's hard Sorry, to pick him. The, yeah, I, it, that was a that was a hard one. Yeah, um, he divorced his wife by fax. Yeah, he's a, a he's a prick. Such a knob. He's actually quite awful in the Easy Lover video, anyway. But anyway. Oh my god, he's so he's so yeah. over dramatic. Yeah, he's, he's horrible. He's in he's in loads of those Genesis videos. He's like, it's like he's trying to be funny. And Let's take so, it from the top, guys. Oh god. Ugh. Right. Sorry. My next three. <laughs> Um, these are some of my absolute favourites and they're still not my number one which is mad John Farnham You're the Voice yeah. oh my god OMD or Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark Enola Gay and Flock of Seagulls Wishing brackets if I had a photograph of you <laughs> oh my god so that Flock of Seagulls song is really early on in my memory um, I Ran is amazing but Wishing or I had a photograph of you is just like it's just so good. I, I don't need to explain it much. It's brilliant. OMD and Ola Gay is the first... I really remember this from really early on in my like childhood. I don't know why, but that little intro, synth intro... Because this is 1980, so this is really early wow, in British early? electro. Yeah. yeah, And like OMD were like one of the first near the beginning of all that. Mm. So that little synth riff is just so good. And from then on, I just think the entire thing is brilliant. Um, and it's about the dropping of the atom bomb, which is a bit sad. Yeah, yeah Nola Gay was the, oh, name, of was the, the plane, name of the plane. Yeah. yeah, who dropped the first bomb. So that's not very nice, but the song is amazing. And then John Farnham, You're the Voice, <laughs> is basically what's going around my other knee when I get my knees tattooed. <laughs> Cause so you're going to lyric... have Jimmy Somerville on one and John Farnham's face on the other? Well, maybe or... not. I'm going definitely... I mean, you I'm going to have to get faces. faces. To. It's just the lyrics. That crappy Jimmy Somerville song, amazing. And then John Farnham, we're all someone's daughter, we're all someone's son. The way that he screams it, <laughs> I'm just like, that's so amazingly shit. I absolutely adore it. So it's basically my like total like going into battle <laughs> song. Like, Which you often it do. It would pump me up. Um, so that's... Strong, so I, strong up there. Yeah, I mean, John Farnham, you're the voice. Definitely, on any other day, would have probably made mine as well. To be honest, should we but, do our? Um, oh yeah, sorry. But I, I think, 
I actually, there's a few other John Farnham songs that I think I might maybe not prefer, and they're definitely not as iconic, and I can't even name them, but he's on a lot of film soundtracks. He does a couple of songs on the film Rad, which is like a BMX, a crappy 80s BMX. Is it one called like Thunder in Your Heart? Yeah, Thunder in Your Heart, yeah. And Break the Ice is one. Break the Ice is one from, uh, I think that might be from a different film. There's a couple of films. He might be, does he do the songs for BM Bandits? BMX Bandits? I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I couldn't really pick one. And I did yeah. sort of think, to me, you're the voice I put in the same uh, place as, like, Don't Stop Believing. Oh, well, you decided, think it's too good? I decided it was too rough. <laughs> but, um, but again, on another day, I would have I would have not thought that and put it in, probably. So I'm wondering, before we do our absolute ultimate one, should we do some of our honourable mentions while I remember them? Yeah, we can, if I can get them up. Because I've just... <laughs> that's just reminded me of a few that I should have put in that I didn't. I'll go over them really quickly. There's no Prince. He's too good. Prince is too good, definitely. Prince wasn't yeah. allowed. He's too good. Yeah. Um, Van Halen, Panama. It's too, too rock, rock, but yeah. it is my absolute 80s song. Like, yeah. it's that's the one that I drive really fast to, like a idiot. There's a Family Guy sketch, which is basically my life when I listen to it. I didn't realise. That's really embarrassing. There's there's so many songs that haven't been included here that obviously should have been. Yeah. But um, I, f- I forgot about one of my rules that I gave myself as well. Yeah. I didn't allow myself to by the same people. Oh, yeah, that was a rule. Or even like if, if bands was um, linked in some way. So, for example, Yazoo, Don't Go, <gasps> yeah. would have could have been in there. And uh, Bronski Beat, Small Town Boy could have been in there. But they were both too related. Too related to what you already had. And, uh, yeah, there's loads of... We've already gone through all of the Madonna things. Uh, one of the ones that I was a bit on the fence about was Billy Joel. I really like one Billy Joel album a yeah. lot. And, but I decided that just was too much. Um, I've got two more. So these two are ultimate 80s songs that we couldn't include because they're too new to me. Uh, one is The Outfield, Your Love. It is perfect, but it's probably too rock. Actually, it's probably not because they're not... <laughs> they weren't that well known and they're not that rock they were an um, English band that never got famous here mm. got famous in America appeared on loads of BMX videos and now everyone cool thinks it's a good song and it's a fucking amazing song yeah. um, and the other one is there's a song called Electric Blue by a band oh, called yeah. Ice House is yeah. it Ice House? yeah I think so yeah. oh I might be getting they're that Australian, wrong right? yeah I think so yeah. anyway it's amazing it's so good but it's too new to me so I couldn't include it um, they're all my honourable mentions for now I could go on forever I had a huge <laughs> I had a huge meatloaf problem because I, w- I wasn't sure, because there's a lot of meatloaf could have gone on there, but Dead Ring of a Love would have been, but yeah. I decided that was too rock. That's um, true. There's a few uh, random ones that we found on YouTube polls that I think are worth mentioning. Uh, Scandal, The Warrior. Oh. Listen to that if you can. Um, Debarge, Rhythm of the Night. That's so good, nearly, already, nearly put that in. Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone. Nah. That was on my possibles. Um, Fire Incorporated, Tonight is What It mean- Means to Be Young. That's from a really. Uh, that's from a film we talked about last in week. In fairness, actually. we're probably going to discuss <laughs> so, that film in the future. Yeah. And Jermaine Stewart, we don't have to take our clothes off. <laughs> that's a fucking big banger. But anyway. Um, but yeah. So oh, and one that really surprised me that almost made my list, and you were sh- so shocked about, and you have every right to be, but it was really close, and I was surprised because it was another one I just thought of and chucked on YouTube, and then thought well, this is a possible was the Bee Gees with you win again. Oh. <laughs> And then I thought, what am I doing in this relationship? <laughs> That's such a bad move. I'm so glad it didn't end up on your No, list. it didn't. But it was, I would say it's about, it's probably about 13 or 14. <sighs> on the, yeah. Anyhow, so we're going to do our best song of the 80s ever. Mine is uh, When You Were Mine by Cindy Lauper. 
Perfect. And Perfect it is a Prince song, so strictly speaking, maybe I shouldn't be allowed it. But I think the way that Cindy Lauper does it is extremely 80s sounding. It's from her first album. That album doesn't have a bad song on it. Every, it's just such a perfect album. Mm. She's a perfect human. Um, is that the album, um, She's So Unusual, yeah. is that one? Yeah. And just everything about this song is completely, completely perfect. And um, I'll say this, uh, the Prince version of this, which is a really early Prince song, I think, um, is not very good. I don't really like it. It's kind mm. of it's more like when he's sort of doing more like funky, rocky stuff. But whereas Cindy Lauper's is just like this fucking big bollock ballad, like <laughs> just huge um, emotional like yeah. thing. And yeah, and it's brilliant. Um, two tidbits: we saw Cindy Lauper live oh. about three or four years ago, <laughs> and she played this, and it was one of the greatest live performances I've ever seen in my life. It's perfect. Um, and also, Harmar Superstar covers this <gasps> on one of those AV Club covers things where yeah. they all pick different things. Which actually, maybe we should do that on one of these podcasts. We should go through some of them because there's some great covers on there. We only started watching them because Guar are always on it and they always cover, like, they did West End Girls and mm. all sorts of things. But, yeah, Harmar Superstar's version of this is quite similar to the Cindy Lauper one in a lot of ways and it's really good. He's got a really good voice for it. It works really well. But yeah, I just think this song is perfect. It's one of my favourite songs of all time. It's Full stop, really. Sweet. So, um, my... I can't call it my top. Yeah, you because I, I'm still not <clears throat> even sure this is my top ten. This is my top ten today. <laughs> um, but the only one I've not mentioned... This was the first song I put on the list. So that's why I'm saying it is number one. Because it was the easiest to write down. And you've already mentioned it so many times. Um, it's Bronsky Beat, Small Town oh. Boy. Because it is... Fuck, for the same reason OMD is amazing, that wonderful synth intro that's just so influential, so interesting and cool, and Small Town Boy did exactly the same thing. Like, it's such an incredibly written song. It's been sampled by tons of people since. And then it was about something so good. Like mm. Dave touched on earlier, this was um, Jimmy Somerville growing up in Scotland at a time where it was just not okay to be gay, or was not accepted in the way that it should have been. And the video tells that story. The, mm. the words tell this story of just a, a young boy struggling with his sexuality and not being accepted by his family or by anyone around. And the video does the same thing. And it's just so iconic. It, it's the second I hear it, I just, I'm just thrown into that kind of 80s cheesy pop disco. Um, but it's genuinely good. So again, query whether I was really allowed it on this list. Oh, no. Yeah. But I'm going with it just because of the influence that it had on other music. And it's just perfect. Yeah, I think I, I was reading something about... Uh, I probably shouldn't say this name on this podcast, but I was reading something about Morrissey, um, uh, about some of the Smith songs and the sort of... Um, and the fact that those Smith songs, and, and it's really similar for this as well, these songs were written and like if you watch the video for Small Town Boy it's not subtle at all and these mm. songs were written in a time where homosexuality had been illegal like five years earlier or mm. something ridiculous something absurd mm. or maybe maybe slightly more than that but not very much and it's just like the bravery of people like Jimmy Somerville and like Frankie Goes to Hollywood were, were big on this as well I just think I just think this yeah it's just it blows your mind really like yeah. how different the world was that they were doing this stuff in that maybe now looks relatively tame and kind of yeah. normal and stuff but um yeah just incredible i think he's an incredible person really yeah really brave really out there and also the way i really liked the story he put out there because you've got frankie goes to hollywood who are like in your face like mm. don't give a shit what you think this is like out and out mm. 
in your face. Whereas this was a really sincere, from someone who's mm. clearly like vulnerable and not actually screaming and screaming like this is how camp I can be. It's just like I just want to like someone and that be mm. accepted by other people and not to be bullied and yeah. told that I'm wrong. And it was just really interesting because I remember watching it really young and thinking, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, even then, and how, you know, how different it would have been in the 80s, like you say, just after it was yeah. made legal, which is it's crazy to think it ever was. So, so yeah, that's, um, that's the 80s top 10. It was a bit cool. of a waffle, but... Isn't it always? It's so hard. This was a long, 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 long day of discussions, <laughs> as yeah, you we, can probably I, I, tell. I think we both had, like, existential crises. Oh, gosh. Like, it, was, through it was just, like, screaming from the other room, no, I've, I've crossed <laughs> it off, I'm going back. So, anyway. Cool. Well, a more professional outfit might play one of the 80s songs that we've just talked about, but we are not a professional outfit. Yeah, we can't so afford. <laughs> we are going to play uh, some music from... Uh, 2019 instead which is a long way from the 80s Uh, this is a song by an awesome band called Brazen Hussy Uh, they're from the south coast according to their internet presence but I'm pretty sure most of them live in London but I might be wrong Um, it's from an EP called Not All Men that came out on Hell Have No Fury Records like I say in 2019 the song is called Swallowed It and it's fucking great here's Brazen Hussy So now we're going to review a trashy film. And Pictures up. Rolling. Rolling. This is trash. This is sweet, sweet trash. Avoid fainting. Keep repeating. I love what I see. Leave the auditorium. It is only a movie. Only a Lovely soundbite as always, Dave. Well done. <laughs> um, so this week we watched the wonderful Lust in the Dust. Hit it, Dick. These lips were made for kissing. These hips were made for bliss. And these arms were made for squeezing. You tied every day, only every night. These lips. Were made for tasting my time Wasn't made for wasting So I'm 
show you how it's done just for fun. Anyone wanna come? These lips were made for kissing. Take a sip, and you'll know what you've been missing. You'll flip when Mr. Molly wants to make you stay every day. sense of humor <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this film was brilliant so a little bit about the film lust in the dust it's a 1985 western comedy film starring tab hunter divine Cesar- and some other people i'm not gonna <laughs> <of them. laughs> and it was directed by paul bartell who's done a few things you did name them earlier yeah well me? he's well he's an actor as well as a director so he did eat which is quite a famous, like, really early 80s comedy. And I think he did some other stuff. But he's acted in... I think he was married to Mary Warrenoff, who's quite a famous, like, B-movie actress. And they were in a lot of films together. And I'm pretty sure, if nothing else, I think he was in Chopping Mall. Yeah, that's it. Where shopping costs an arm and a leg. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of gives a little bit of a clue as to how serious this film's going to be. <laughs> um, so Divine plays a character called Rosie Velez, she is a dance hall girl who's lost in the desert and is helped to safety by gunman Abel Wood, who's played by Tab Hunter. In the town of Chile Verde, at the saloon of Margarita Ventura, a word of a treasure in gold brings Abel into conflict with outlaw Hardcase Williams and his gang. Basically, it's amazing. They go on a bit of a treasure hunt. Yeah. That's kind of it. It doesn't really matter about the plot at all. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really <laughs> thrashing out the plot quite a bit. There's some gold in this little place called Chili Verde, and it turns out everyone's kind of making their way there to try and find this gold. And along the way, it's a lot of lust. It's a lot of drinking. Like everyone is hungry for sex in this film. It's like, a horny film. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Divine is is the most horny of the lot, probably. But I mean, they're all. It's wonderful. Divine is fucking <laughs> amazing. The way so there's this one. I, we could talk about loads of things, but there's this one scene right at the beginning, and it's kind of bad taste in so many ways. Divine's walking through the desert, oh, kind of the western countryside, as it were, and. She's with her little donkey. and She's she gets, got a really small donkey. She's got this tiny little donkey that she doesn't fit on. She keeps falling <laughs> off. And then Divine finds this gang of hard bastards come and find her. And they are horny. Surprise, surprise. And they're saying to her, oh, thank God we found you. My men have been needing their libido dealt with for ages. And Divine's going, oh, no, no, that's so bad. Please don't... Are you going to ravage me? Don't do that to me. <laughs> and then you see a scene where basically she's had them all. <laughs> and Before she has them all, she says, violate my most intimate part. <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously is... They thought they were going to have it, and... She but they, had them. <laughs> it's one, yeah, it does. They sort of turn the tables in as much as yeah. Divine, divine's like hungry for more, and they're all completely like yeah. collapsed and like. I think she says, "Who's next?" Yeah. And I thought it was meant to be. I don't know. It's an awful thing to laugh at. It's meant to be a sexual assault, and she totally owns it. I mean, it's not. It's not <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty much. Well, she right near the beginning. Well, that is the very beginning. But there's a small a small person who who's part of the gang. I mean, it's such like classic sort of. Eight is like bad humour, basically, this entire film. It's not really an outright comedy as such. It's just sort of like really light-hearted and sort of witty and ridiculously over the top. And this gang, who are like the hard guys, they're, 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 there's a, a small person and he's on a really tiny donkey. 
And so when they come, they sort of show this, like, you know, really sort of ominous music is playing. And they show the first guy, and he sort of looks tough, and the next guy looks tough. And then they just, and then it just goes, it does that classic sort of 80s thing where it goes over and there's nothing there. And then the camera just goes down and there's kind of this little guy. Mm-hmm. But um, he decides that he wants a little bit more in the middle of the night. And so, um, and she breaks his neck. <laughs> well, there's more to it than that. Yeah. He's, I've written, broke Midget's neck in surprise cunnilingus. Yeah. <laughs> because that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> I've also remembered when the, uh, the mass sexual bit is done all of the gang are lying there tired and divine's fine goes anyone like to try again yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of humor that's in this yeah there's um i mean it is just it, it for me like this type of film i wouldn't really know what to call it exactly but it's like it is the perfect film to me. <laughs> this like this kind of tone of movie like i say it's not really like it's not like a comedy in the context that everyone's like like sprouting gags and like there's any sort of comedic set pieces or anything like that it's just sort of like everybody's just constantly witty Mm. and everything is just a bit stupid and everything is really over the top and and it's the perfect vehicle for divine yeah like just there's just there's no one made for this sort of thing more like just every single thing that comes out of her mouth is hilarious it's just perfect and and yeah and just sort of tongue-in-cheek yeah um i've got my favorite line i think it might be on yours as well um she's trying to get a drink at the bar and oh, they're like oh I think you've had enough and she goes I know when I've had enough I fall on the floor <laughs> and I was like oh I love you <laughs> there's my one of the other favourite bits just to show how light hearted and silly it is is um, one of the main guys at the saloon gets uh, shot and the woman who owns the place who seemed to have had quite a close friendship with him decides to break into song it starts as a wail straight into his crotch she's singing into his dead crotch for a long time and then she does this like dance where she's like got a man's hands from behind and she's like rubbing herself but it's the dead guy (laughs) and he's just like lying there blue and she's just rubbing herself with his hands and it's like what is going on but it's so brilliant it's so wonderful um it's really light-hearted considering how ridiculous it is um, yeah. There's not really a plot, but it does have an ending, and it does all kind of make sense. It's there's not a brilliant really, it's not but, uh, so Divine, badly made. Divine and the main woman in it, who I thought was Linda Blair, but isn't at all Linda Blair. No, it's someone something. called Laney Kazan. Yeah, they they have a punch up in the bar at one point, and that's yeah. fucking majestic. Like, <laughs> just Divine, just sort of. And Divine's beautiful in this, like yeah, painted yeah. really well, and looks ex- pretty much. They're meant to. You turn. Well, I don't know. Gives it away a bit, but turns out these people are sisters. The two oh, main yeah, girls, um, main characters, and they really look similar. And that's not like a mm. slight on either person. They've just looked oh, yeah, so no, beautiful. Yeah, Divine's absolutely like lights up the Stunner. screen and just sort of everything. Yeah, um, it's probably worth saying. One of the reasons why we picked this film was because earlier in the week we actually watched Polyester, the John Waters film, in more of just a you know because in a casual way, not yeah. in a, not in a let's watch a really shit film for a podcast way. Because it's not really Because it's not a really shit film. It's a great film. And, uh, and obviously, like, I mean, it was, I think, the only John Waters film I'd never seen. I don't, had you seen it? Oh, really? Have you seen Serial Mum? Yeah. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that yet. Polyester's great. Definitely worth a watch. So but good. so Polyester is Divine and Tab Hunter, who's the main guy in this as well. And Tab Hunter, I think, was a, like, 1950s sort of heartthrob. Yeah. Who had been in loads of sort of big films, but his career had obviously by the 80s had um dwindled had dwindled yeah and so he he and john waters was amazed that he managed to talk him into doing his 
film, which is all it's it's not quite as much, it's not quite as filthy as most of John Waters. Certainly not as filthy as his earlier films. It's a bit more uh, middle it's of the road. It's the first mainstream, still, or yeah. aiming for mainstream film. But, you know, there's a lot of... This is very subversive. Mm. And so to get someone like Tab Hunter at the time in it... But it turns out that Tab Hunter was in the process of producing this film. And when he worked with Divine on that, they were looking for just, you know, they just needed to fill a part, like the main sort of female lead in, in this movie that he was working on. And he was so impressed with Divine's, like, abilities, acting mm. abilities and stuff, that he just cast her in this. Mm. And to be honest, if it was anybody else in that role, this film would be half as good, mm. probably. Mm. I mean, it is a great, it's great, but it definitely wouldn't, it wouldn't be quite Amazing. as incredible. One of the really interesting things about this film as well is that I think the bar, the three women, or, the, or two women and then Divine when she gets there, are sort of supposedly prostitutes, I think, of sorts. Yeah, they're selling themselves. But yeah. one, one of them is very elderly. Yeah, and uh, and that's the, I think the one that sort of Tab Hunter kind of falls for a little bit. He yeah, is, he falls is, for in a weird way. Like he likes yeah. her. Um, but that part, uh, which is and the, her her name is Big Ed, um, although she's tiny and just an elderly woman, was supposed to be played by Edith Massey, who is one of John Waters' regulars, who's that lady with no teeth, who's wonderful and everything. Yeah, if you've seen she's is it the egg Flamingo, lady, she's the egg lady. Yeah. If you see her in uh, Female Trouble, she's got like a latex. Oh, tips yeah. out yeah. cat suit on and she's 60 years old she's she fucking glorious that. but she was supposed to be in this film but she died she she screen tested for it apparently yeah. and then died in between but I have to admit when I was watching this I I knew that because I looked it up quickly and I, I, I think had she been that oh, it would this, this film would have been so so good there's a handful of amusing things that people say I think we might have covered most of them the piano player's name is Red Dick um, because uh, he's got ginger hair when somebody thinks that one of the guys has gone a bit mad, he says, this man's oats aren't all in their feed bag. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's a nice one. But yeah, basically, this is not This is a, definitely a trashy film. And I think we did want to kind of not always do the worst possible films that we could find. But this is not in any way a bad film. No. I would say this. I think this is fucking brilliant. It's got a solid 6.5 on IMDb. It's oh, probably yeah. going to be the highest rated of any of our films we actually watch. <laughs> And its only critique from the first little critics review I can see is that halfway through it tries to stick to the story or resolve the story and we weren't interested in the story. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but no, it is, I, I actually really... It's such an enjoyable film. Um, it's worth going to find. We found it online. Yeah, um, uh, completely by official channel. Of course, an official channel we found this on. Uh, but, something else we missed, sorry, just quickly, before we, um, is the songs. Oh, there's so there's many some, good songs. There's some songs. Well, there's only three, actually, but it feels like this is more or less a musical. Mm. And actually, one of them, I don't think, is even in the film. It's no, the, it's like, just it's the first. It's at the end, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, Divine, so before uh, we talked about this, you will have heard a little bit of Divine's song. Mm. Um, Divine's song is just fucking brilliant. So good. These lips were made for kissing. Yeah. So good. And she's, and like, there's so many, like, thrusts yeah. in the, like, with yeah. the words and just, Oh, Divine's face just tells so much. Yeah. It's so good. It's just a brilliant film, I think. So good. I would rate it very high. Well, let's rate it then, shall we? Ooh. So what are you going to give it out of ten? Well, so thinking back to the fact that I gave Snake Out of Compton something like a seven, <laughs> uh, which is mad, so I'd probably like to recall that seven and reduce that to a five. This is why I kept um, things alone. Yeah, I know. So. Um, so this is probably this is probably a seven. Seven point five out of ten. Because there's so much better trash, but this is this is really good. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, yeah. not sure. I'm not sure that I agree that there's any better trash. For me, this is a 
nine. Easy. Ooh, okay. This is, yeah, like I say, this this style of film, and I can't describe exactly what that style is, but this, there's a, it, all these films are from like the mid to late eighties. Yeah. There's a certain tone of film which is just a hundred percent what I love, and this is one of them. Yeah, I think it's like light-hearted, good humour, still got some standout ridiculous jokes. Mm. Lots of actually well made. Yeah. Like it wasn't yeah. poorly made. There wasn't loads of bad. It had a budget of 2.5 million dollars, which I think in 1985 is probably you know, it's okay. not not mega. But... I mean, for that money maybe it wasn't that good. <laughs> but it was it's yeah, it's not a badly made film. It's actually really easy to watch. It's not like some shitty films that you have to really plod through. This no. is like really easy to watch yeah. so yeah okay eight i'll go out at ten no, i'm not trying to get yeah you to, no to no that's fine up. so we are now going to play a nice old song for you um again i every episode i'm going to try and find a band who aren't really represented on spotify or whatever again probably mostly from the 90s as this band are this is a bit of an unusual one this isn't a uk band and it's not even really a band who were sort of unknown or anything um, but I was quite surprised to find that none of their music is actually on Spotify. I think you can find it on YouTube and things like that. Um, but this band was actually on Lookout Records, so you would figure that they would probably be uh, remembered much more than they are, and they're really not. Um, it's a band called Go Sailor. Um, they uh, have only one album, and I think it's a collection of previous seven inches, but the album came out in 1996. The song's called Ray of Sunshine. It's just It's barely a punk song. In fact, I don't think it is a punk song, really, but... But it, it's just, I love it. It was on the first Lookout record sampler that I ever got. It stood out because it was so not punk and so it's so twee. And it's just like a sort of a really lovely little indie song, really. Um, and it stood out a bit because of that. Um, but the band is made up of, uh, the, the main person in Go Sailor is Rose Melberg, who's gone on to have a bit of a um, solo career. But she was also in The Softies, who I think um, some people might have heard of. And a band called Tiger Trap, who again you might have heard of, and I'm pretty sure that maybe the drummer was in Crimpshine. They were kind of people that were around the the San Francisco and Berkeley punk scene. Um, but yeah, and I just absolutely love this song. I just think it's absolutely beautiful, and I hope you do too. It's Ray of Sunshine. Her melody Welcome back to Breakfast Punks Podcast. 
else that was Go Sailor. That's a lovely song. It's oh, very different yeah. to all the other stuff. Yeah, lovely. Lovely and twee. I used to always put that on every mixtape I ever made when I was a teenager. You put it on one of mine. Probably, not the first one, but yeah. Oh, lovely still. Oh, lovely. <laughs> cool, so that pretty much rounds up episode three. Um, last episode, we did at the end say if anyone wanted a shout out, oh, yeah. then we would do it. Um, I think we said it a bit off the cuff. We, hang on, we but, even got but, an email. Well, a whopping great two people <laughs> want a shout out. So first shout out is to Liz in Leeds. Thank you very much. Hi there. (laughs) You're always so nice to (laughs) us about this. And Ben, Ben, yeah, actually. You're both very lovely and uh, always say nice things to us. So thank you very much. Your support is very appreciated. Very much. And the other shout out is from Ashley in Australia. You are legit our only Australian fan, I think. I mean, Dave will read out your email. So the the email um, title is Your Number One Aussie Fan Says Hey. And I can assure you, I know this by looking at the stats on our, <laughs> on our little podcast thing, that you are the only Australian listener. Whoop, whoop. But who knows, maybe we're playing the cutaways. Maybe, yeah, maybe Aus- some Australians will uh, check us out as a result of that, in which case, hello. Hello, Australia. Hello, how you doing? <laughs> um, so uh, Ashley's uh, uh, email says, Hello, Team Hastings. Thank you again for another fab podcast. It seems weird, but if I put it on the car, it's like you are both in the back seat yapping away. Um, the stolen spud story made me cry laugh for so long. <laughs> I've forgotten the stolen spud story. To oh, I, know was, I know it's Norfolk based. Yeah. Um, and could I please request a shout out? I have no idea what you're talking about most of the time, but I absolutely love listening. Aww. So thank you so much. And if you want to email us, we will read it out awkwardly, <laughs> as I've just done. Our email address is shamsityroasters at gmail.com. Um, Anything you want, really. Yeah, any ideas, questions, any questions. Insults, oh, tell us what your favourite 80s films, songs were. And we'll films t- that we should watch. Yeah, tell us what your favourite 80s songs were and we'll tell you that you're wrong. Um, well, you probably won't <laughs> because we'll probably have changed ours and we will agree with you. We'll at least decide whether you're very wrong or whether we're jealous and should have put it on our lists. Yeah, just but, be careful. Don't badmouth Jimmy Somerville or you'll, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll block you from yeah. our lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway... That's probably enough for this week. So we'll end with a song. This is a song called Fool by the band Sewer Cats, or The Sewer Cats. They're from Manchester. They are booked for What's It Cool Fest this yes. year. Fingers crossed that actually happens. Oh, we, do you know what? We never said this. Um, so we announced the first batch of bands for What's It Cool Fest and the tickets went on sale a couple of days after our podcast. It sold out in 24 hours. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> Finger cross it happens. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. So if you wanted to come, if you listen to this song and you think, oh, I'd love to see the sewer catch, you can't. Tough shit. You can't see them at What's It Called. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully if What's It Called is happening, then they'll, everyone will be playing. So anyway... This is the Sewer Cats. They're from Manchester. This is a song called Fool. It's from their Zelda EP that came out in 2020. Mm-hmm. And they're really awesome. Um, so this is it. The Sewer Cats with Fool. And we'll see and you yeah. in two weeks' time. See you in two weeks' time. Ta-ra! Bye. Bye.